Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Pushing Rubber Podcast. A little bit of a blues intro there from me. Just something in A that uh, made up on the spot. Something I want to do. Just put my guitar back over there so it's not going to fall over. Uh, my name is Adam Piggott. It's a very cold evening in Melbourne. It's probably the coldest evening or day in Melbourne since I've moved here. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if we get some snow tonight where I am. Uh, that's how chilly it actually is. Um, and cigar of the episode, just been smoking a very nice Cohiba Siglo 2. Uh, those of you familiar with cigars would be nodding your heads right now and going, yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty nice cigar. Um, Cohiba was Castro's personal brand. It's the yellow, black and white checkered band that you find on cigars. And um, they're truly excellent cigars. You can't go wrong with them. Um, But I prefer their smaller styles, as the larger ones tend to blow my head off my shoulders. Uh, The drink, I'm just about to pour it now. Now, this is an Amaro um, from Italy, so it's um, it's a digestive... Uh, which is also known as a digestivo, or it's what's called in Italian. And, and what that basically means is a digestive is exactly what the name represents. It's something that you drink after a meal because it helps you digest the meal. Now, there are lots and lots of different um, digestives out there, but uh, without a doubt, Italy has the most. And they're normally made with herbs uh, flavoring the alcohol. Uh, this one is um, quite a special one. Um, Liquore di Erbe Amaro Tossolini uh, Quite hard to get um, Remedio Simpatico Which means the most pleasant recipe um, And the herbs that this one had in it uh, I don't know if it's written here on the back it's actually, it's actually very hard to see I'll just drop the lid off it And the lid's terrible by the way Um uh, 15 different alpine herbs with pure alpine water, blah, 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 blah. Uh, for a lot of digestives, over ice uh, with a slice of orange is preferable or just neat. This one I'm not putting over a slice of orange, though. I'm just having it on ice. Place it over there. And I have just eaten dinner. So this is a, you know, this is a fitting drink. Very special too. So um, first off on this episode, uh, Pushing Rubber, episode nine, I think. Um, And by the way, great. um, I mean, the podcast has only been going for about six weeks or so, uh, maybe two months, not even that. Um, And already getting a good listenership listenership happening, uh, which I'm really happy about. I mean, these things take time to get out there. Uh, A few people have been very kind to link to me, Aaron Cleary, um, has been um, has been great. Matt Forney as well, uh, linking to me quite a lot. So thanks both of those guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, Alt-Right Life podcast linked to me uh, yesterday, which was great. So, you know, bit by bit we're building up a bit of a listenership here that can hear the sultry, dulcet tones of Adam coming to you every Wednesday from... Uh, freezing cold Melbourne, Australia. 
Um, now, a bit of a news to start off with this week on the book front. So my next book is due out at the end of this month. Uh, it's still due out at the end of this month. Um, however, I've taken a bit of a step and decided to change the title. And this was due to uh, listener reader feedback. Basically, um, the title, the working title for the book, the second book that I had, which is based in Italy, was The Prosecco Paddlers. Now, I thought that this was a really good idea, principally because I wanted to try and to appeal to a broader market. Um, Prosecco is a, um, on Google Word, trending data searches is a, is a word that's been trending quite a lot lately over the last couple of years. So I thought, well, you know, we can get that in the title. It's fitting for where we are. But my readership didn't react too well. They were like, well, it's not very adventurous. And on reflection, it doesn't accurately represent uh, what this book is about. Uh, I had a, I'm just about finished it. I'm, I'm really just tidying it up at this point, which means I've been rereading it a lot. And yeah, it's the Prosecco Paddlers is not representative. It, it really, it, it, it tells the tale of a five-month rafting season in Italy with about six or seven rafting guides, and it's it's pretty ribald. It's pretty it's pretty rude, um, and it's definitely not quaffing prosecco. That's um, not representative of what the book is. So I decided to change it based on reader feedback, and the title of the book now is the River Guides Paddling Club. Um, or RGPC for short. Now, uh, to understand this, RGPC was a bit of a code word amongst rafting guides back in the day um, when I was rafting. In fact, when I when I first began rafting, I think it was back in 1995, on a full-time basis, uh, RGPC was told to me pretty quickly. And... As far, when I asked what it meant, it said, well, as far as the clientele is concerned, it means the River Guides Paddling Club. And some guides even had little badges on the side of their um, life jackets with RGPC. It it did, however, have another darker meaning, um, which I'm not going to tell you. But it will be revealed at some point in the book. So there you go, a little secret for you to jump in. And check it out. Um, my cover designer has just been very brutal and gone on holiday without giving me the final cover. Um, so, it, looking at the by the end of this month, I, I really, I really can't see it coming out any earlier than that. It, it might even go into the first week of August at this point. We'll just have to check. I also need to give the book to a couple of um, people to proofread. I've got two people lined up for that. Um, so they're going to do that for me. Uh, one of them is a, a good, very good contact from 2 plus 2, and one of them is uh, a, um, a very good fan of mine who's been following me for quite some time back from my Noisy Rogue blogging days on my other blog, which is a video game blog, and he's going to help me out, and he's been very kind. Um, and he probably he probably wrote the best Amazon review, I think, of my first book, Pushing Rubber Downhill. So those guys are just going to have a bit of a proofread for me and make sure that there aren't any horrible errors 
or even any subtle errors um, because um, uh, it's amazing in 100,000 words what you can miss uh, when you're reading it every day. So that's what they're going to look for me. So there's the news. The second book, The River Guides Paddling Club. I think it's a good title. I'm happy with it. You can let me know what you think in, in your normal abusive emails. Um, I got a few abusive emails this week, um, particularly about my piece on... Let me just get it up here. Um, I no longer read books by women. Uh, I don't know why people send me emails. I just wish that they'd put a comment on the blog. I suppose I could copy and paste the email and just put it in a comment and say this came from someone. But look, if if you want to be abusive to me, just put a comment out. I'm, 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 look, I, I've only deleted uh, one comment so far on the blog, if my memory serves me correctly, um, which was just completely inappropriate in so many ways and on my other blog on the noisy rogue um which back in 2010 was quite a big video gaming blog in the mmo sphere i think i if i deleted a handful of comments that was about it so look if if you're not happy with something that i've written which means you're coming to my blog um well post your argument up there it's you know it's just my opinion. Uh, just, uh, send me an email. It's kind of like well you know, put it out there. Have a bit of courage behind your convictions. You know what little convictions that you have. Um, so yeah, I no longer read books by women. Well, it's true. It's true. And I actually uh, a very good friend of mine visited me um, that I hadn't seen in, in quite some time. We're talking about twelve years or so. Uh, this week and we or last week and we had a chat about uh, different things and one of the one of the one of the topics that we came up with was you know female writers and they're just not really any good um lately i I got a few comments um on the on the piece by people um rip so sarah hoyt so Sarah Hoyt, of course, uh, sci-fi, uh, she recently got into a bit of an argument with Vox Day about uh, what makes up um, an American as culturally. She's Portuguese originally in the fact that she's moved to America. She was arguing that she's now American. He was saying, well, no, you're not. You're Portuguese. And, and I can, by the way, I completely agree with Vox Day. I mean, I lived in Italy for 10 years. It didn't make me Italian in any stretch of the imagination. But there's been, there's been such a watering down of Anglo-Saxon cultures over the last 30 years with you know, progressive ideology and all the rest of it. Um, the USA, Canada, uh, Australia has been susceptible to this as well. Um, I mean, they come here and I'm Australian. And uh, what does Australian mean anymore? It doesn't, uh, they're trying to make it mean nothing. Uh, whereas the fact that we, it is an Anglo-Saxon um, settlement and culture that up until the 19, late 1960s was very strong in that regard. In fact, there was even a white Australia policy after the Second World War to make sure that it stayed that way. Well, that didn't work out too well. Um, on that front, um, I read today, um, also on Vox 
today's blog, which is Vox Populi. And I have to say, uh, Vox Populi has to be my first stop every day. Uh, he really does put some great stuff out. And um, definitely, definitely, definitely worth worth adding to your to your um, your daily dropping in on. And he had a post today about um, uh, Irene Athena. I, I think that's the is that the the federal woman in the U.S. that Bill Clinton met on an aeroplane last week or something. I think. Anyway, he had a piece today suggesting that uh, you know why white people in America, if they're not happy with what's going on, um, you know they just need to pick a separate state and reserve it for whites, and they can all move there uh, if that's what they want. Um, as Vox said, that would be a very crowded state, very, very, very quickly. It would also be a very um, productive and successful state, which means that eventually it would then be invaded by the uh, loser states that would be surrounding it. But I thought that was very, very interesting. Um, I've had a, a few chats to people recently. Um, I'm a bit, a bit of a social prior, prior recently. Pariah. How do you say it? Pariah? I can't remember. Something like that. I've been to three social occasions the last two weeks um, that have all ended badly because I just can't keep my mouth shut. Uh, Brexit has had a well. Brexit actually was the the common factor in all three situations. So one of them I wrote about when I left um, this party, and a grown twenty nine year old man was crying behind a closed door, and his girlfriend was comforting him because I I kind of disagreed with him, and well, I I tore him to pieces in front of everybody. It was pretty brutal. Um, so yeah, I reduced him to tears. Uh, well done, Adam. Uh, so I had to leave that one pretty early. And, and ever since then, everyone's been like, oh, we're really sorry you did go early, tiptoeing around the whole, you know, you made a grown man cry behind closed doors and his girlfriend had to try and bring him out and make him feel better. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, my wife and I went to a, a lunch. It was a nice lunch. It was with two lovely French guys. Um, and oh, I got into an argument with Brexit again because they're basically of the opinion that that democracy doesn't work because people vote for the wrong thing. So, oh, fucking hell. So that didn't go too well. Um, you know, my, my wife ushered me out of that one, as she, as she does. And then I was at a, another function just on Sunday and and there was an English chap there and he was going on. And he was he's a lovely English guy, actually, normally. I got on very well with him. But he started loudly saying, you know, how terrible Brexit was and how racist everyone who voted for it was. And I said, well, I'm fully for it. I thought it was awesome. And by the way, I've got a British passport. So uh, are you saying that I'm a racist? And you'd think that it would be my prerogative in that situation to get angry with him. But in actual fact, he arced up. And got very aggressive with me very, very quickly and saying, I wasn't saying that everyone's racist. And I said, well, yes, you were. He said, no, generally I was saying, well, generally then you're saying that they were, so I'm going to stick my hand up and you're saying I'm racist in that boat. By the way, the term racist, fuck me dead. Yeah, Do you guys know that that was a word invented 
um, by the Soviet Politburo or the Soviet Union leadership in, I think it was 1922 or 23, to, I think it was Trotsky that invented it, um, to uh, dissuade um, uh, any uh, criticism of the Soviet Union and the grand experiment that they were undertaking. Um, now, racism was the word they invented to, to head that off at the park. It's like it's like saying you're um, Islamophobic now, mm-hmm. which you know, well, doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, people going around saying you're Christianophobic, it's not happening. But words have power, and and that's what what's the, that's what the, the word that's where the word racist comes from. Um, like I've said many times, I'm I'm not racist. I'm racially aware. It's a bit different. Anyway, so that's what's been going on this week on the blog and all the rest. But I've got a I've got a um, I want to talk about recycling uh, and recycling Nazis. So the progressive left, it's all about power. It's all about control. They want power and they want to control other people. And recycling is a classic example. Another classic example is, by the way, uh, that came up this week that I saw. I didn't write about it. I was tempted to, but I didn't. It was the ozone layer. I saw this this um, this meme on Facebook, which was like, yay, we saved the ozone layer. We, we, we did it, or some crap like this. Look, the ozone layer, like everything else on the fucking planet, adjusts gets bigger, gets smaller. How long have we known about the ozone layer? How many years have we known that it even existed? Yeah? And suddenly, oh my God, this is a big hole in it. It's never happened before. Never happened before. When we saw the hole, we'd only known about the ozone layer for about 30 years. It's like people in Australia. I saw this thing yesterday on the, on the Australian Broadcasting Commission, the ABC News, about mangroves dying um, in the Northern Territory, the top end of Australia. Apparently, it was a it was a very dry, wet season. They had much less rain than normal, and ten percent of the mangroves have all died. And I was just watching this piece. I was just waiting, just waiting for the interviewer to say it. And of course, the interviewer says, "And because uh, uh, they were interviewing some, you know, environmentalist fruit bat." And the interview interviewer goes, "And uh, so, do you think this is caused by?" Climate change. And environmentalist fruit bat responds appropriately. Oh, yes, of course, absolutely, absolutely, this is climate change. This is absolute climate change. Uh, it's killing all the mangroves. It's a disaster. Now, A, who gives a fuck if the mangrove, 10% of the mangroves die? Why is this a disaster? B, we've only been monitoring, really, Australian weather for about 100 years. You know what 100 years is, weather-wise? It's a blip. It's nothing. Nothing at all. I bet you in the last 1,000 years there's been 50-year droughts in Australia. Betcha. Go and study some ice core samples in Antarctica that will tell you what the prevailing winds and the rainfall there'd be in Australia. I bet you they had a 40-year or a 50-year drought. Absolutely. So far... Since Westerners have been the country, I think it's about 16 years has been the longest. All right? 10% of the mangroves dying. He's got, this is terrible. How do you know that? We've only been here up that top end for about 150 years. How do you know that hasn't happened before? 
And how do you know that all not all going to grow back again when you get a decent wet season next year? So it's, it's look, it's all about power. It's all about control. Recycling. Don't worry. I know that the worst thing about listening to a podcast is when you're listening to someone and they bring up a subject and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm interested in that. And they get diverted and you're like, are they going to go back to that thing that they were, t- and they never do? And you're like, fuck's sake, you moron. Don't worry, recycling. You know why? Got it written down. So, rubbish bins. Now, I wrote a piece. Actually, I think it was one of the 28 traits of the modern man that the modern man does not recycle. Um, and that was just a general theme for the modern man does not buy into progressive left bullshit. If you, for the rest of your life, just use the progressive left as a litmus test. If you just do the opposite of everything they say you need to do, you can't fail. It's, it's amazing how much of a failure they are on every single... I mean, every single thing. They are a total fucking failure. Recycling. When I lived in Italy... Up in the little mountain village in Val di Sole, I think they brought in six recycling bins. Now you have to understand that the average apartment size up there was about 60, 60 square meters, and your kitchens—I mean, people didn't have garages or anything. So I'd go into people's houses, and their whole kitchen were taken up by recycling bins, and they were, and they were, you know, washing out alfoil and stuff. And put—I'm just like you—you've you've t- literally turned your apartment into a garbage dump and you're doing this for free you're a moron you're an absolute fucking moron especially especially because i took a guy rafting who worked in the uh the recycling depot in trentino and he told me that all the trucks gone down there and apart from aluminium everything went in together everything he was hysterical about it he was laughing his head off at how stupid people were and he only told me because I told him when he told me I worked in recycling, I said straight away, I think recycling is a fucking crock of shit. And he was like, wow, okay. You're about the only person who said this to me. Because everyone else was like, oh, yeah, recycling, it's great, blah, blah, blah. Christ almighty. Um, aluminium is the only thing in recycling that will make you money. It's the absolute only thing. Glass, are you shitting me? Glass? The amount of energy required to recycle glass when you can go out and get sand. Sand, by the way, just in case you don't understand, glass is made from fucking sand. And if you might have noticed, there's not much of a shortage of the stuff around. The energy required to recycle glass that's already made is much more than going out to make new glass. Oh, then you say, but but, but where are we going to put all of the glass that we've already made. Listen, you idiots. If you, let's just take Australia. Take Australia, an average size map of Australia in a book. Grab a pen. Draw a dot anywhere in Australia. That dot is about one billion times the size of all of Australia's rubbish for the next thousand years that you'd ever possibly need, and it'd only go down to a depth of about 100 metres. I mean, seriously. Are you shitting me? Now, Trentino had a problem. Trentino had a problem because they didn't have the dot, kind of a mountain area, small, um, self-sufficient state within Italy. So they did have a problem where to put it. So they were were incinerating it off. Um, But other countries, Australia, the US, Russia, 
Oh my God, Russia, what are we going to do with all this, this glass? Where are we going to put it? Oh, fuck me. I'm going to call this episode the recycling episode. All right. So rubbish bins. I'm still getting to my point. This is, this is a thing I heard the other week. So we have three rubbish bins here where I live. We have um, general rubbish bin where I throw just about everything because I don't give a fuck. Um, uh, we have the recycling one, uh, which is just basic plastic and glass and aluminium and, you know, dead bodies, that sort of thing. And and then there's one for general um, garden waste, like leaves and lawn clippings and dead bodies and all that sort of thing. So anyway, here's, here's, here's what happens. This guy was telling me a story that, uh, apparently, local council inspectors have been coming around doing inspections of the bin when they're out on the street. So if you put your bins out on a Wednesday night, on a Wednesday, they come around on a Wednesday night and they ins- they open up your recycling bin and they inspect it to see if you've put anything in there that you're not supposed to be putting in. Just keep in mind it's all power and control. Yeah? So this apparently this guy they've, they've they've put something in there inadvertently it wasn't on purpose that wasn't supposed to go in there probably like something like a dead body something like that um, and so they get this letter from the council so uh, so the council takes their bin so the council does it takes their bin they're like well, where's our bin and there's a note from the council we've taken your bin and you're not going to get it back because you put the wrong thing in you're a very very bad individual because we have the power and we want to control you. I'm just pouring some more of this digestive because it's so good. It costs about 100 bucks a bottle, but oh my God, is it great. Um, I'll put the link up to it. So um, they get this letter and it's like, you, you, have, to, um, you have to have a, uh, a talk from a council representative. He's going to come to your house and give you a, an hour-long lecture on what needs to to go in your bin now personally me if they did this i'd say fine no problem at all i'll just throw all my stuff out in the road whatever i don't care i really really don't care if you're going to play games i'll play games back there's places all around the area i can just start dumping shit i'll just put it all in the normal bin what do i give a shit okay but, you know, they're trying to play the game. They're trying to, you know, not buck the system. So they say, oh, fucking hell. So you're seriously saying that we have to have someone from the council come into our own home at night and give us a lecture on what has to go in the bin? Yes, if you want your bin back. Okay. All right. All right. So they say, they agree to it. They go, okay. I haven't got to the good, good bit yet. I'm getting the good bit. So the council worker comes around. He's retarded. I'm not joking. He has Down syndrome. Now, he's very, very enthusiastic, apparently, about his job of going around and lecturing people in their own homes about <laughs> what they can put and what they can't put in the recycling bin. I just think about it. You hear Ding Dong. It's like, oh, this will be the council guy. You've got your whole family there so they can listen to the lecture. You open the doors, oh, I'm Benjamin Tadinho, I can't feel talk. I'm just like, are you fucking shitting me? Are you fucking shitting me? 
So apparently they're like, it's in shock. And he comes. And look, apparently a lovely guy, a lovely, 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 retarded Down syndrome guy who has his job for the council. Are you? Can you? Who in the council thought? All right, we're going to lecture people in their own home, and let's get the kid with Down syndrome to do it. Fuck that! It's a brilliant idea. You know, equality, and we're hiring. We have to give him something. What can we give him? Hang on. Uh, Can we get him work in the garbage truck? Nah, he'll fall in. Uh, he's not fast enough. Um, all right, parking inspector. Probably not such a great idea. I know. Let's get the retard. Ret- no, you can't use that word. Sorry, you can't use retarded. All right, that's really disrespectful. Um, to um, it's just really disrespectful. You're going to have to use uh, intellectually challenged. Some of my fucking ex-girlfriends are intellectually challenged. They went fucking Down syndrome. So we'll send him off to houses to people to lecture them in their own homes. By the way, this is a pretty pretty rich area, by the way. This is a pretty upmarket area. I'm not living in Hobbitsville here. We'll send him around to these places and, um, and yeah, ding-dong, retarded kids at the door. Um, and uh, he's, uh, well, he's the kid who got the special bus at school and he's going to give you a lecture, hour-long lecture on what you can and can't put in to your recycling bin. Um, so, yeah, I heard about this and I was like... <laughs> I'd just be fucking throwing my shit at the street, mate. I'd just be throwing my shit on the street. But we don't in Australia. We don't. And this is one of the big differences between Australia and Italy. In Italy, they've got more laws here in Australia. They've got more stupid rules. They've got more stupid regulations. But for the majority of them, apart from recycling, of course, for the majority of them, everyone just finds a way around the law immediately. The law is there to be circumvented. Not broken. Not broken circumvented and it's like a national I wouldn't call it an obsession I think I'm getting the hiccups here it's not good I'll drink more alcohol and hopefully it'll go away maybe I'll light up another cigar um, I wouldn't call it a national obsession such as a, a national pastime or a hobby everyone does it everyone even the police in fact the police are the worst for it and in, in, in Italy they've got three types of police they've got uh your, your normal police on the road, um, and they also, yeah, and then they have the carabinieri. Um, carabinieri literally means carabiner, which is a rifle, so they're the ones that handle it. They go around with machine guns, and they're, they're your basic, what you think a police has. And then you've got the financial police, um, who, strangely enough, also deal with drugs. I don't know, maybe because there's money in drugs. Um, and I tell you what, if a new law comes in that that I was I was teaching... English um, in Italy and I was doing these group sessions that would last for half the year up in the valley and I remember once and I'd I'd start a new course that would go for 20 lessons and I'd get like I don't know 300 euros per person or something like that there'd be like maybe 20 people in the class and so I get all the money on the first night, and this was this was good money for me and I and and I and then I, I remember this night I collected all the money 
And a lot of these were new faces. Some of them were repeats coming back to me. I was like, oh, well, tell me a little about yourself in English. Tell me your name. You know, tell me your favorite color. Tell me your, you know, sexual preference if you're a woman, blah, blah, blah. And there's this guy sitting there. He's probably about my age, maybe a bit younger, and he's, he's quite smart. And I said, uh, so, you know, you know, what's your name? Oh, Paolo. I can't remember his fucking name. And what do you do, Paolo? And he looked uncomfortable. And a lot of the other people there looked uncomfortable as well. And I was like, no, no, go on, what do you do? What do you do? And he goes, oh, you know, I'm in, uh, I work for the government. And he just wanted, he was doing his best to just let it slide by under the table. But stupid old Adam, what do you do for the government? <sighs> I work for the police. <gasps> that sounds fascinating. What do you do with the police? I'm with the financial police. Now, as soon as he said that, I'm like, Oh shit! I've just collected about five or six thousand euros here in cash under the table from everyone. So I'm like, oh, oh well, that was a really stupid line of questioning, Adam, you dickhead. Um, so I was like, um, okay, that's great. And then the night I was like, okay, now if anyone uh, would like uh, me to give them a receipt for the money that they gave me, and at this point, I looked towards our friendly. Guardia di Finanzia, and he just looked at me like I was a fucking moron. And he was like, what do, you want, what do you want to give me a receipt for? This is cash money. You've got a good gig going here. So this guy was in the police who was specifically tasked with trying to find people who aren't paying their tax. I'm there taking all this money in and not paying any tax. And he's like, dude, dude. Why are you going to embarrass me in front of everyone to try and do my job? Are you serious? That was part of the challenge of living in Italy, understanding the parameters. See, the the entire... I think in Italy, if you pay all the taxes that you need to pay, you're looking at over 70% tax, 7-0. Over 70% tax that you'll need to pay on every single euro earned. There is no... Like, there's a threshold or something. That doesn't exist. So you earn a dollar... Give us 70 cents. Yeah, If you pay every single tax, and they have different names for them, and I say to them, I remember my accountant was telling me, oh, that's not tax, it's 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 IMPS, or it's EPF, all these acronyms. And I'd be like, well, is it money I have to pay? Yes. Well, then it's a tax. No, it's not a tax, it's, it's IMPS. But it's money I have to pay. Yes, I know it's money you have to pay. But, well, it's a fucking tax. Anyway, the system is designed with the assumption that everyone's a thief. So to survive in the system, you have to be able to steal. You have to be able to get money under the table. You have to understand, though, how the system works. Now, as a foreigner, the big problem is, is that the big problem is, is that you can't understand this because you haven't grown up with it. So in the 10 years that, was there, that I was there, it was a constant... For me, I don't know how many accountants I went through, but I was constantly trying to find an accountant that would help me learn how to steal properly. But I never could. They were like, oh, Adam, you know you know what to do. I was like, no, no, I don't. I don't know what to do. I don't. Really, I don't. You're the expert. Teach me how to steal. Oh. <laughs> Mr. Adam, we cannot do that. Of course you know. Don't even say those words. Oh, these are things best left unsaid. <laughs> Another grapper, why don't you? <laughs> ah, fucking hell. So that was a big problem. That was a big problem. The laws there 
are designed to get around. But here in Australia, here in Australia, we can bring in as many laws, they'll bring in as many laws as they want. And governments here, governments, Australian governments base their success in their terminal office not on how much legislation they didn't pass, but on how much legislation they did pass. The more legislation they passed, apparently, the better a government they were. To me, this is entirely backwards. Listen, if I formed government tomorrow, I would do my best in my three-and-a-half-year term not to pass a single law, not one, zero, no laws. All I would do in my three-and-a-half-year term was to do my best to repeal law after law after law that had been passed by the last 30 years of idiotic governments that thought they could legislate their way out of oblivion. Because the problem in Australia is, no matter how stupid the law, we do it. Take bicycle helmets. In Australia, it's been law since the early 90s to wear a bicycle helmet. You can be bicycling on a farm, on a paddock, and you have to wear a bicycle helmet. If you fall off the bicycle and you hit your head and you haven't had a you didn't have a bicycle helmet on, things aren't gonna go so well for you apart from, you know, bash your head and all the rest of it. We all follow this. We all follow this. We are the wimpiest of the wimpies. I I don't ride a bike in Australia. Well, there's no way. I'm not gonna ride a bike in Australia. I'm not gonna cycle down the path. You go to Holland and there are there are there are there are millions of Dutch cycling around sans helmet. Strangely enough, with their heads intact. Who would have believed it possible? But in Australia, they pass a law, we follow the law. Because they want the power, because they want the control, just like recycling. (sighs) So how about that, eh? A retarded kid. Get a retarded kid to turn up to your house uh, and give you a lecture on what you need to put in your bin. Oh, I just can't even do it. It's so embarrassing. Fuck. Anyway, uh, shout out to Aaron Cleary at Captain Capitalism. He has been good enough to sponsor my podcast because he believes in what I'm doing. Um, Aaron has uh, a number of excellent books out. I have reviewed Curse of the High IQ. Uh, I've also read Bachelor Pad Economics. Um, which I highly recommend uh, to anyone out there under the age of 30. But really, if your personal finances are shite, um, you can be 100 years old, that book will still help you. Well, not 100 because you're dead tomorrow, so you know, you're know you screwed. Um, and he's got a new book coming out um, on Renaissance Man. I'm hoping he's going to slip me an advanced copy so I can check it out. He's already asked my opinion on it something about it so um he also has a podcast which comes out every week um and um of course he has his arsehole consulting and now i've actually used aaron's arsehole consulting twice um the first one i was my wife and i were considering purchasing property in melbourne this was about probably 18 months ago um i contacted aaron he said this is going to take me a lot of 
work to research is going to cost you X. I was like, that's fine because the amount of money you'll save me if I make the wrong decision is huge. Um, I only think I paid about 100 bucks, actually 150 bucks. Um, and um, he came through with an answer with a really good um, breakdown. We had a good chat on, chat on Skype about it. Uh, and this was, by the way, this was our first ever um, uh, time that we met. I didn't buy the property, and that was a very good decision because we have a major bubble brewing uh, over here in Melbourne. Um, the other time I used him was when I was launching my first book, and I wanted to, well, I wanted to get my first book published, and he was he was very good. He was like, well, I could take money off you, but I've already published a YouTube video of this. Here's the link. Bang. So check out Aaron Cleary. He's got some great stuff going over there. Um, there we go. That's this podcast for this week. We'll call this one the recycling episode. It's gone to 40 minutes. That's not longer than I normally do. This might even be my longest my longest podcast ever. But, you know, I think I'm getting in a bit of a better groove now. The alcohol definitely helps. I was, I was doing these on Wednesday morning and then uploading them immediately. But now I'm doing it on Tuesday night and then uploading it the next day. And in the night, well, you've got a few drinks under your belt. Um, you've got a few drinks under your belt, let's be honest. Uh, a cigar, which was absolutely lovely. Um and remember, if you're, not, if you're not smoking cigars, you should be. Uh, if you're not drinking, I don't want to talk to you. Um, check out my first book, Pushing Rubber Downhill, if you haven't done so already. It tells the story of my adventures becoming a whitewater rafting guide and making the journey from a beta male to an, uh, somewhat of an alpha male, I suppose. That's how people describe me, I suppose. Uh, my next book is coming out in about three weeks. The River Guides Paddling Club, RGPC. Um, and uh, tune in again next week to a delightful episode of the Pushing Rubber podcast. This has been Adam Piggott. You all take care out there, and I'll talk to you next week. Ciao, ciao.